Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from people in our community. These successful neighbors of ours will share their real-life philosophies and solutions for success to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today is based out of Greenville, South Carolina, with her awesome husband and fur kid, Tater Todd. She is a LinkedIn credibility consultant, international speaker, and trainer to top producers, empowering them to take charge of their online reputation to increase their revenue. She loves helping her clients win. I personally worked with our guest and leveraged her wisdom and skill with a few different companies I was consulting. And I am excited to chat with our guest and share her wisdom with our listeners. Welcome to the show, the principal and owner of McMillian Consulting and a friend of mine, Lindsay McMillian Steeman. So great to have you on, Lindsay. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I've been looking forward to this conversation between us and for your listeners. Yeah, yeah. And Lindsay, as a baseline to kind of help our listeners get on the same page as us, can you speak briefly as why LinkedIn is such a powerful tool for the business professional? Yeah, I mean, the thing that most people don't know, Jonathan, is that LinkedIn has actually been around longer than Facebook. And that really throws people off. And normally when I say that, they're like, what? Really? I had no idea. Or I thought LinkedIn was just a place to post your resume. And it's not that it wasn't, you know, 10, 15 plus years ago, but uh, LinkedIn has become the most powerful online business tool in in the world. And uh, they were acquired by Microsoft in 2016 for $26.2 billion. And so what I like to say is, uh, or ask is, do you think like, do you think Microsoft is going to go anywhere anytime soon? And most people are like, well, no, of, of course not. So, so why would LinkedIn, right? If, if Microsoft right. has acquired LinkedIn. So it's, it's, a, I like to think of it as a reputation management tool. Um, some people I speak with say, oh, I've always wanted my own website. And I say, well, you actually have one. It's called your LinkedIn profile. So right. it's, uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. It's just a really awesome entry point to, to build your network and your, your online reputation. And you're not new at all to LinkedIn. You've been teaching and training people and companies how to utilize LinkedIn for nearly a decade. What are some of the major changes that have happened in that time? And, and how do you see the game changing in the future? Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn's changing all the time. Uh, they're a software company. They're never in a state of perfection. They are always iterating and changing and growing and trying out new features and pulling them back or rolling them out and them, you know, improving them. So uh, a couple of things that haven't changed in LinkedIn to start are just the importance of the LinkedIn profile. That's where I start with 100% of the clients that we work with is uh, ensuring that reputation they have offline is mirrored online through their profile. And then we're able to equip them to navigate the tool professionally, build their networks. Um, and really, the power of the tool, Jonathan, is extending your reach. I like to think that there's only so many relationships we can manage in between our two ears. And so it's really the 21st century Rolodex, right? It's a place where our uh, we don't have to manage that CRM that can be out of date the moment we input data. We can leverage this tool called LinkedIn to send us real-time information of things happening uh, to people who are important to us in our professional and, and personal world. And something I have always appreciated about your guidance and how strategic you are, 
some LinkedIn consultants out there are just getting more, trying to get more followers and more impressions, almost kind of a shotgun approach. But you have adopted a more targeted and strategic approach to using LinkedIn, Lindsay. Can you explain the difference to our audience? Yeah, I really believe that we're all in some fashion, regardless of the industry that we work in or have expertise in, that we are all in the H to H business. So we're familiar with B2C, we're familiar with B2B. And I actually was just at a in Dallas speaking recently and I said, what do you all think H to H is? And what was really interesting was several people said heart to heart, which I love. Um, my answer is actually human to human, which kind of is the same thing, but I love the heart to heart as well because ultimately we're all trying to build relationships and have conversations with real human beings. And we, oh, by the way, are humans ourselves. And so I've seen some people get lost in the sauce with LinkedIn is that there's been a really big uptick in automation tools in the last several years, meaning there's artificial intelligence out there. And some of it can be an additive to how we use LinkedIn. Uh, It can provide more clarity and insight to the people we're trying to get to know and meet. However, Um, At the end of the day, most of us, if not all of us, are trying to build a human relationship with people. Um, And so when we think of it as something that can just churn and burn and, you know, uh, that we're just... uh, processing people through a manufacturing assembly line, right? You really use the, lose the power of the human connection. And really, since the pandemic, we've seen this big shift in a lot of corporations and companies talking about how LinkedIn has gone through its own evolution in the last several years of becoming a little bit more personal. Um, some people have overstepped that boundary, right? And, and they did even before the pandemic, right? They're showing pictures of, you know, memes of their cats and things that are really way too silly and don't have a professional ground and foundation to them. But what people, what we're finding is that people want to get to know the human behind the expert. Um, Mm. So quick example, I, um, one of my favorite new hobbies is fly fishing. And I was hesitant to share that with my LinkedIn network. We put it on some of our other social platforms and my team said, you know, Lindsay, I think this could really resonate with people. And the way we can tie it back to business is, you know, they asked me, why do you go fly fishing? I was like, well, it's just a great place and way for me to disconnect from uh, from the loudness and noise and busyness of this digital world. And whenever I'm out there fishing, uh, typically I don't have cell phone reception. And if I do, I don't know because I'm not looking at my phone. And so um, we were able to tie what could be seen as overly personal or too personal with the business undertone, which is how are you recharging and disconnecting to show up as your best self Monday through Friday with your clients and prospects and team members. So I think when you're thinking about those personal additives or or ways to bring your story to life on LinkedIn. It's um, still through the uh, lens and perspective of what what is that professional undertone uh, as you're positioning yourself on LinkedIn. Right. And more people nowadays, probably more than ever because of the social media presence we have, are wanting to do business with companies, not just cold owner and company, but they want to do business with if if nothing else, they want to know who the owner is. What do they like? What do they dislike? What are they about? What are their values? Uh, so I totally think that's awesome what you're talking about there. And let me back up a step, first of all, and say, I am absolutely jealous. I've never been fly fishing and would love to go. <laughs> so how long have you been into that? Oh, just in the last several months. I've gone three times in the last five months. And What made you jump I... into fly? Because that's an odd thing. 
I've always wanted to do it. I love being outside. I love nature. I just, uh, what I've found though, is I don't, I'm, I'm typically not intentional with getting myself out into that fresh air and openness. And I've always been curious about it. And so what I've done the past three times and will continue to do is I hire a, a professional guide, an outfitter who uh, I just show up with my friend and, and he outfits us with all the gear. And so I don't have to go spend thousands of dollars on all this equipment and things that I don't know if I actually need or not. I mean, he's got the the flies that he makes. He's got the nice rod and uh, so it's a pretty sweet setup. Um, and so I highly recommend if that's something you're curious about to, uh, check out professional guides in the area and, um, yeah, and go have that cool experience that you might not have done on your own. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, you've inspired one person just through this conversation, because I have always, <laughs> awesome. I think ever since I saw the movie with Brad Pitt, a river runs through it or something like that, that he was in <laughs> where he was fly fishing. I'm like, I want to do that someday. And I've just, I've been fishing, but never been fly fishing. All right. To jump back to our our original conversation, you started making the shift into starting your own company. You were doing you were working for a company doing their LinkedIn stuff for them, correct? And then you um, made yes, it yeah, yes and no. I mean, I have what I'd like to say is I've been doing what I've been doing for over a decade now, right? So going on twelve right. years, um, I just happened to part ways with my previous team and launch off on my own. So, but previously, I was for lack of better phrase is hunting the deal, closing the deal, delivering on the deal. And yeah. uh, so, you know, now for the last six and a half plus years, I've been doing it under, under McMillian Consulting as my company. And um, yeah, very, very thankful. I mean, I, I don't, I, I have to believe that I wouldn't have gone out on my own to become a business owner and entrepreneur had I not had that three and a half years with my previous team and uh, built that ex expertise and experience and, and confidence to uh, to launch off on my own. So I'm very grateful for that that first little stint of doing what I'm doing in, in my yeah. life. And you're an absolute rock star and your business is booming now. What But what made you initially want to pursue starting your own company? That's not it's not easy, right? It's not always fun to do. I mean, there's obviously it's fun to be your own boss and there's, there's benefits to it, but it, there's a, there's some challenges initially. So what made you want to jump out and start your own company? Well, I, I was fortunate to have the mentorship and example that my father set being a business owner. So I saw the very, very hard work that comes with that, but also the freedom and flexibility that comes with that too. Um, the irony is I never grew up, grew up thinking that I would own my own business, never thought it wasn't possible, possible, but never thought it was really something that I wanted. And, um, you know, sometimes doors open and opportunities present themselves to wh where you're in a position to ask yourself, you know, is this something that I could do? better and on my own terms and different maybe than how I've experienced and done it before. And if there's a yes across the board, you know, then it's something worth considering. I think one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs, especially those just starting out might miss, especially I've, I've got a sales background. So I've been in sales my whole career, but many entrepreneurs have this misunderstanding that they aren't salespeople and Jonathan, when you go out on your own, <laughs> you are the number one salesperson. So, um, you know, I was very fortunate to already have a sales background and um, had already been doing what I'd been doing. So uh, very fortunately, that confidence was already there. It was really just figuring out, well, how do I submit 
an LLC to the state, you know, the capital in South Carolina? And how do I file that information and open my own business checking account and accept money? And um, but those are things that, you know, you've got friends who have gone before you and uh, people who want to help you because someone helped them when they were launching their business. So I definitely am standing on the shoulders of a lot of people who um, helped set me up for success. I feel like a lot of our listeners are in a very similar position as you were, Lindsay, that they're working a W-2 job, they're working with a company or a team, and they're toying with the idea of going out on their own because I feel like that is a very hot thing nowadays. People want to be their own boss, especially after post-pandemic, more people are working remotely. They're work- they're kind of working on their own with with that level of freedom anyway. Can you speak to some of the struggles that came along with starting your own company and what you learned from those challenges? So, well, one thing that I think is important to mention, and I'll definitely answer your question, is uh, that I am a calculated risk taker. So a lot of people say, oh my gosh, you're so brave to, especially when I first launched my company, you're so brave to go out on your own. You must have been so scared and nervous. And I didn't feel brave. I, I didn't feel nervous or scared, but... That calculated risk, uh, one way it was taken was, you know, even before launching my business, my first time being a 100% commission individual professional was how long is it going to take me to earn $1? And that was a question I didn't know the answer to. And so, you know, I had to look at my financials and determine what's my runway uh, because Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be successful at this. So again, I'm very grateful and fortunate that my personal story is I was 100% commissioned before going off on my own. So I already had proven that there was a market for what I was doing. But for those who don't have the luxury of that experience, you know, do, do your math, run the numbers, how and have an exit strategy, have an exit point if it doesn't work out. So that's just a, an anecdote to, you know, for folks to consider because I that definitely helped give me confidence and freedom to be be more bold, I think, out of the gate uh when I was pursuing this unknown of 100% commission. So going back to to your question, I, I think some of the struggles I found came from isolation. So I worked from home for five and a half years, and that was actually two years before the pandemic. So I'm terrible at math, but for five and a half years until 2018, I worked from home and it got really, really lonely. So in 2018, I decided to explore what it would look like to join a co-working space and have a dedicated desk and a, you know, a private space that I could come to, um, seven, 24 seven. And, you know, that was one of the best decisions I made to overcome that obstacle of isolation. Um, in that same vein, of isolation is um, I working from home even before deciding to go off and have my own office space was um, the importance of having my peer, a peer group and different types of peers. Uh, so I had a local peer group where every three weeks we would meet in person. They were um, individuals who were around my age at the time who were either business owners themselves or in executive leadership roles. And um, we just had this essentially study group where we would share our successes, our victories, but also our challenge and ch- challenges and obstacles where we could speak into each other and help each other get through those challenges. Um, you know, having a conversation by yourself in between your ears can sometimes be a, a vicious cycle and feeling like you're on a hamster wheel. So having others speak into you. And I'm again, fortunate that I 
um, you know, invested in and believed in that before launching McMillian Consulting. And so I continue to do that today. I go to Chicago four times a month and I'm surrounded by other entrepreneurs in so many different fields and industries who I feel like a small fish in a big pond with all of them. And that's exactly where I want to be because that's where I get to feel inspired and hear other, uh, you know, stories about, gosh, well, what's, what's my potential, you know, what's the next iteration and evolution of, of my journey. So I think that isolation piece is a really important um, obstacle that you're going to face and and having a game plan to overcome it. Because being in business for yourself is easier when you're not by yourself. Like you can yeah, at least absolutely. have another team that you're plugging into some other people that can, you're bouncing idea. Like you said, if you just think between your two ears, sometimes that can, you can go down pretty bad rabbit holes. Uh, if you don't have somebody else helping keep you within these awareness checks or these you know, other panes of glass of window uh, into what you're doing. And sometimes just having an outsider's perspective or opinion on something that may know they may know nothing about what you're doing, but just because they they aren't so close to it, they can see it from a different perspective. Yeah, there's not an emotional attachment uh, to that situation or question like like you might have as as the, you know, business owner or ideator. I, I think the other piece too is the value of being around other business owners, entrepreneurs, mentors, is the fact that they're also going to remind you of how far you've come. It's very easy. Again, going back to this idea of isolation, uh, one. Uh, idea that strategic coach has taught me is this idea of the gap and the gain. And so a lot of times, even if you're not a business owner or entrepreneur, it's easy to get in the gap, right? Oh, I'm not where I want to be yet. But if you turn back around, you see how much you've gained and how much you have grown and learned. And even in the valleys and the challenges, the lessons that you've been um, been able to take away from and, and apply in those future situations. I think sometimes it's easy, at least I'll speak for myself. I don't know about you, Jonathan, and, and other listeners, but the value of other people just speaking into the progress you've made when sometimes I know for myself, it's easy to forget forget that. Yeah. As humans, we can, I think that we have this negative natural tendency to see I'm not where I want to be. Uh, no matter how far we've come, we always want to be further along. We're never satisfied, which is a good thing. Having that hunger, having that, now there's a difference between not being satisfied and not being grateful for where you're at, but it's important to be able to turn back around and look in your rear view mirror and see how far have I come. So that's really, I've, I've never thought of that, the peer group bringing that to you as well. So business ownership, even in consulting roles, whatever, like I said, it does have its struggle. It has its challenges. How do you push through those hard times other than just having this peer group? What do you do? What are your secrets? So I am a woman of faith. I am a Christian. I believe in God. And thank goodness, because whew, I just um, don't know how I would get through those difficult times with without my faith and just uh, being able to step back and put what I'm doing in a bigger perspective. And one of the ideas I learned several years ago from my friend Walker McKay was this idea of your identity and your role. And 
you know, sometimes we're not, we have bad or off role days. So sometimes I'm not the best leader. Sometimes I'm not the best salesperson. Sometimes I'm not the best friend or wife or, you know, dog mom to tater. And, but that doesn't change my identity and who I am at the core. And um, so for me, it's just, again, like we said earlier, getting out of your own head and really leaning back towards uh, that faith that grounds me and, and reminds me that, you know, I'm still loved even in my off days. And, um, and, and that I still have a, a bigger purpose that I'm still figuring out and, you know, trying to be a good steward of, of the doors he opens and where, um, where that might take me and the people I might intercede and interact with along the way. Yeah, it is definitely important to wrap your value and your identity in something that doesn't go up and down on a daily basis, right? Absolutely. If you're if you're wrapping your value and your identity in how you're performing or how you're selling or how your job is going or your relationships with your husband, with your wife, with your dog, no matter what, those things change on a daily basis. And if we wrap our identity or value on those things, then we are constantly in this roller coaster of emotion and feeling and we feel like we're great one day and then we feel like we're worthless the next so uh, i appreciate you talking about that Lindsay. so let's let's make a quick pivot here the the show is called success in south carolina um i want to hear what you uh kind of some success tips from you but before that how do you how do you define success so I think this is an an ever moving target, or at least it has been most of my professional adult life. And the thing that I landed on really just this year to to be transparent is for me, I, I think everyone has their own definition of success. And for me, success is the feeling of contentment. And I used to think that the word contentment I had a, a misunderstanding of that word. I thought contentment meant complacent. And complacency is not somewhere where I ever want to be. Um, I always want to be growing and learning and, and becoming a better version of myself. And like I said, be, being a good steward of the gifts I've been given and, and the time I've been given. But the the truth is, is that you can be content and still be pursuing that next level of whatever it is that your you know journey that you're on uh, with yourself in your business, you know, in, in the different roles that you you play. And so this year, I, I again, just feel so blessed that um, I, I thought also that contentment was fleeting. I thought that you could only feel that for a short period of time, that it wasn't something that could be sustained. And I have been riding this wave that I hope never ends. I'm not to say I haven't had hard days because I certainly have, but I just, I feel very, I felt very content this year. And, and so for me, I I feel like it's even apart from the numbers and because that's where I've struggled personally, part of my identity, wrapping that around uh, the revenue I'm bringing in and how many sales I've closed and all the projects we're working on. And gosh, like you said earlier, that just goes up and down so often. And so uh, it changes so consistently, right? That to wrap your identity around that, it's just um, this very tiring, exhausting rat race. Whereas to to let go of that and to feel this um, sense of you know, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And, and again, being tied to my faith, I, I feel like it's been a successful year and it, it has been a successful year. And Jonathan, the really cool thing about that is that the numbers have followed as a result. So 
Um, Isn't that funny? I don't know what that says. I'm I'm still learning, right? I'm still yeah. in my own version of, of that journey and learning. But for me, I, I think if you had asked me a year ago, I don't know what I'd say. But today, success is con- sustained contentment. Yeah, I love your alliteration with content versus complacent, gap and gain. Wow, uh, I need to get on my game here, Lindsay. Uh, but I, because I've been, <laughs> I've been calling it gratitude versus. Um, what did I say earlier? Now, now I love complacent con- contentment, so I'm just going to adopt that. Take it, go um, for it. It's all yours. But yeah, I love it. Uh, so, what if if you had one thing, a personal secret of success, one thing to pass along? What's that key piece of advice? Hmm. Oh my gosh, only one piece. I'll probably tell you one piece and then go into about five different things. Go ahead. So, yeah, I, I think that when it comes to one piece of advice, it's to give yourself grace. Um, perhaps that's part of the contentment that I've experienced this year. I just went through a bout of a recurring shoulder injury and just uh, went through a several weeks of feeling under the weather weather and fighting the crud. And man, I just, you know, it got me off of my workout game and my nutrition kind of fell off. And I, the old version of me would have just felt ruined, you know, and felt so behind the eight ball that I might've just thrown my hands up altogether. Right. And, and just continue down that, you know, unhealthy path or hopeless path. And, and now it's, you know, I'm just going to give myself a little bit of grace. You know, I'm in this little short, thankfully short season. My shoulder's been feeling good. I'm on the mend with, with the, uh, you know, congestion and everything that I've been going through. And, um, and, you know, this too shall pass. And it doesn't mean that um, I'm doomed, right, for the rest of the year. And um, so I think it's just giving yourself some grace. And again, like we mentioned earlier to your listeners, just this idea of um, role versus identity. And, you know, I had an experience uh, several months ago with somebody where I messed up and I'm grateful that this person is a good enough friend to tell me that I messed up and the conversation was uncomfortable and Oh, I just, just thinking about it kind of puts a pit in my stomach. However, I'm so grateful that we had the uncomfortable conversation and I was able to say, you know what? Thank you for calling that to my attention. I I thought I was, I thought I was faking it till I make, made it and I wasn't faking it. And, um, and, uh, I messed up, you know, and hopefully you can give me a little bit of grace and, um, I'm a human and I hope that you're, you and I are able to move past this. And so, I think grace is is a really important uh, idea to not just believe, but practice and implement. Grace is super important. And uh, some of the great people that I know, Lindsay, extend grace to others. But then, like you said, sometimes they don't extend that same grace to themselves, uh, which is I think it's it's super powerful and important. In fact, you know, you talk about being a person of faith. I think God says the greatest commandment is to love others as you love yourself. And if you aren't giving that grace and that love to yourself, it's hard to do that with others. So I love it. That's Mm -hmm. a great piece of advice. I remember uh, one of the companies that you and I were working for, we had this goal setting session, maybe at the end of the quarter or the beginning of a new year or something like that. And you had all the executives and directors fill out a worksheet. Uh, Can you talk about setting goals and how you approach goal setting to set yourself up for success? Absolutely. Well, the the ironic thing about this question is I still haven't finished the podcast episode, but I was fortunate to hear the professional famous football player, Emmanuel Acho, speak uh, on a main stage. And he talked about goal setting and 
And it was just really inspiring. And, and, you know, you hear somebody who's inspiring and, and, uh, I heard him live and he was on this big stage and, and he uh, just blew my mind, right? He just started flipping this idea of goal setting on its head. Well, as it so happens, just this morning, I started listening to a podcast that he was interviewed on with, um, I think it was Adam Grant. And he is just blowing up this idea of, Yep, with Adam Grant. The podcast is called Work Life with Adam Grant. And Emmanuel Ancho, I, I wish I could speak more into it because I think my what the response I'm going to give you about goal setting might change after listening to this because he says goals are garbage, essentially. I, I can't believe that just yet. So to, to be continued, <laughs> but to me, <laughs> to me, right. so just to put that little car- carrot out there, right? We're always learning and iterating and evolving. But yeah. um, to me right now, goals... Gosh, it goes. It kind of comes full circle back to this talk, conversation about isolation. I mean, goals are not meant to be made in isolation. Uh, goals are meant to be written, and then goals are meant to be shared. And uh, when you put the writing, the physical writing of those goals on paper, combined with the verbalizing the goals out of your own mouth, somebody once said, it's not real until it comes out of your own mouth. I think there's truth to that. And when you're telling them to somebody else or a group of people, let's say in your peer group or study group, the likelihood of you not just just hitting those goals, but far exceeding them is so much greater. I, I, I heard once that you're almost 50% more likely to, to hit your goal if you if you write it down and you're almost 70% more likely to hit it if you tell it to somebody else. And so to me, it's it's just that layer of accountability from writing it to saying it and having people check in with you and, and, you know, maybe help keep you on track, right. When you might go off track, um, but also remind you, oh my gosh, you crushed that goal or, Hey, remember you set that goal and how did it go? And you say, oh, I actually, I crushed it. Right. Or, oh, you know, something changed and it, it evolved into a new goal and here's what it is. So here we are at the end of the year, right? A new year's coming around. This is a time where a lot of people are setting new goals, What's your take on New Year's resolutions, Lindsay? Is it pretty much the same thing as goal setting? For me, it is. I think it's, we think of the end of the year and the new year as uh, from a timeliness standpoint. I'm okay. I'm not a, I'm not a, I have several friends who are just anti New Year's resolutions and my goals are happening throughout the whole year. For me personally, I like using the end of the year as a chance to reflect on what's happened, what worked well, what didn't work well, what did we hit or exceed, what did we miss, why did we miss it, did it just turn into something else, is it not important anymore? And so having that reflection first will allow us to, and allows me personally to uh, forecast and project what what could be in in that coming year. I think the other thing I've learned, I, I was just talking about this with my team this morning, is for me, goal setting, especially the ones that I'm going to take seriously, take time. So I used to think, oh, if I just carve out a half day, I'm going to come up with 12 months of the upcoming year's goals. And I don't know about you, Jonathan, but that is not even close to the right amount of time. So just this morning, I communicated to my team, you know what, November of 2023, I'd like you to schedule two two hour sessions just for me, myself, to start that process and start 
marinating and considering and reflecting and potentially projecting what those goals could be. And then in December, we're going to carve out a half day where we're collaborating. And, you know, I'm more or less with hopefully, hopefully presenting those goals. And I even added this, hey, you know what, if we're not ready just yet, if we still need a little more time, then we're also going to carve out a time in early January to give ourselves another opportunity if needed to finalize and refine those goals. So I don't know, I'd love to hear your take on it, but goal setting does not happen to me in one sitting. It's definitely a progression and, and takes several iterations or rounds or revisions, if you will. Yeah. Now, are, do you treat it the same way with your personal goals, personal life? Like, do you do you keep all these categories separate, or all the goal setting happen all at once? They're all at once. So, to me, life blends to uh, and is too integrated for me to think of them as separate. Or as, when I'm in goal setting mode, it's for both personal and professional uh, goals. And you mentioned taking some time to reflect back, to look back at the past year, what do you do during that? Is it is it just looking back to see where have I come from? Is it more about that, the gain part? Or is it about looking back with gratitude, trying to to build up or or to see, hey, where where have I missed the target? And how do I adjust? What are your what what's the purpose of looking back? Yes, and both all all of the okay. above. So so the first place I started uh, several weeks ago was actually thinking about how my time was spent this year. And one of the things that I was reflective on was, oh my gosh, this was the year I took the most amount of time off. And this was actually by numbers standards, the best year we've had in the business. I want to do that again next year. So I looked back at the calendar and how was my time spent? How much time was taken off? What did I do with that time? Um, and so now, you know, I'm a big believer if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And also, you know, um, instead of recreating the wheel, which ironically, Jonathan, that's what I accidentally started to do. I started to look ahead at 2023 and blocking off days. And I was like, well, wait a second, I'm getting totally lost. I don't even know what direction I'm going. So I paused and I thought, wait, this year was the best year ever. Why don't I just look back at 2022? What did I do this year that worked really well? Um, what didn't work about this year? And then apply those learnings to the upcoming year. So when you're setting goals, are they more around results? Are they generic? Are they specific? Or is it more about activity? Like, like you were saying in there, like, I want to set this time apart for this and this time apart for that. What are these go like, especially going into the new year, right? Am I going to, let's say that me as a person, I'm like, well, I'd like to lose weight. Okay. Well, is it about losing weight or is it about, I need to make sure I'm going to the gym three times a week or walking 30 minutes a day. Like what should my, what should goals look like if for, for just the average person that maybe they've never set goals or never, maybe they're anti new year's resolutions because they make one and they break them every single year. Right. What, what would be some yeah, of your tips or I, advice I, for these people? I think that again, one thing that this gentleman Emmanuel Acho mentioned when I heard him on this big stage speaking was that they're changing the word goals to objectives. And I, again, personally, I'm a big, I love goal setting. I love having a target to shoot for. There's nothing greater when you exceed that target before. Now, this is the ironic thing. When you set goals and you undershoot your goals, right? You're like, oh my gosh. And I think this is where Emmanuel's going with this podcast I'm listening to with uh, Adam Grant, which is like, you're actually limiting yourself um, with your potential, you know? And, and I think there's just some tension around goal setting, Jonathan, in that 
and by setting a goal, you might be limiting your potential, but by not setting a goal, you might not have a target to shoot for to exceed. So I fall into the latter camp of if I don't have a direction, that's just how I'm wired. My husband is wired totally differently. I think that's why he's the one who sent me the podcast <laughs> that might be turning my idea of goal setting upside down because he's not a goal setter and yet he's wildly successful and, and, you know, he is highly motivated and, and charged up. But having these objectives, like to me, building a plan, if you don't know where you're going, how do you build the plan? Mm. Right. So if you start with the end in mind, which again, this podcast totally flips on its head, but just from my personal experience, um, I like to begin with the end in mind and then from there back into a, a plan. Strategic Coach, again, I mentioned that earlier, has provided me as an entrepreneur so many tools to help me think about my thinking. So one of the tools they use, um, and it might be accessible online for free, is called the Impact Filter. And it allows you to take a goal or a project or an idea and back into your success criteria. What does it look like? Like, what's the worst case scenario if this doesn't happen? What's the best case scenario if this happens? What is the impact this will make? So I think you can't really get to that point unless you have an idea of what you're shooting for. So I start big and then go small from there. Something that you have just said that kind of gave me an aha moment here. Maybe the way people go about goal setting depends on their personality styles. You know, you said that, hey, goal setting and being very structured or whatever works for me, my husband is the opposite. Uh, and we all know opposites attract me and my wife are opposite too when it comes to stuff like that. <laughs> so maybe the, the way me and you set goals and, and set New Year's resolutions, not every single person listening to this is going to do it the same way. But I'm That's of the right. same mind. I'm of the same mindset of, uh, and I think it was Zig Ziglar that said the person who doesn't uh, have a goal when he's shooting, what's he shooting at? And if he doesn't have a goal, he's going to hit it every time, right? Which is nothing. If you don't know that, if you don't have a map, but you don't have your GPS, you don't have the coordinates of where you're going, then how are you even going to start heading in that direction? But right. that's, that's, so you and that's, I probably, that's our mindset. Same, right. You and I probably think about goal setting similarly. So again, right. my husband's actually taught me a lot and, you know, we've had tension, some tension in our relationship because I want to sit down and I want to goal set together and plan our bigger vision. And for he and I, for he and I, as we've, you know, been married over 10 years and uh, together over 16 years, it's learning that the way we execute and the way we shoot for those those bigger vision ideas looks different. And so we're, we're growing and learning in that journey together. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I've learned from other people who have a different personality than me is to, instead of wrapping my goals around results necessarily, I have to wrap them around habits or action items instead. And that helps me again with my identity and my value. I may be, if let's say that my, my goal was to, to, lose weight or whatever. And I'm going to the gym every single day, but I'm not seeing it, the results on the scale, but my identity can still be good because I'm still taking the action that I'm supposed to be taking. Uh, and also I That's heard right. a speaker, I, I wish I could remember what speaker it was, but he, uh, maybe it's this guy that you're talking about, but he said that if you set a goal, then you have, you're failing all the way up until you hit that goal, right? You're fail, 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 fail. So you feel like a failure until you hit that goal. And then once you hit that goal, it's empty because you got to set a new goal. Right. Right. So, right. I think some of the things he's talking about mention that. So here's the thing. I'm open to learning a new way of goal, like maybe scrapping the idea of goal setting altogether. I think that's that's the idea, yeah. right? Is that there are right. different ways to go about 
executing big things and things that we want in our lives and that's okay. And so I'm I'm really curious and excited to see if this rocks my world. And maybe if you yeah. interview me a year from now, I, I answer all these questions completely differently. I, I think that's part of the opportunity we have as leaders and entrepreneurs and um and people is to always be open to learning and doing something different and seeing trying it on for size and seeing if it works for you. I love when people can change when people can grow. I mean, even when some of the the beliefs that we've held steady to our whole life can be altered a little bit. You know, that doesn't definitely there are some things that you got to hold in a closed fist, but you know, maybe your faith or whatever that you know what I'm holding on to this and I'm not going to change. But I feel like if we can enter everything with an open mind, truth doesn't mind being questioned. Right? Truth is not yeah. afraid of questions. Truth loves bring it on, bring objections, bring concerns, bring it. So I love that that me and you have the same mind there, Lindsay. Do you make New Year's resolutions, by the way, personally? I don't just because I, <laughs> I guess you could say, well, here's the thing. I guess you could say I do because I just call it all goal setting though. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I just don't call them New Year's resolutions. Yeah. <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah. So with these resolutions, do you recommend that, because I think you said earlier in a, in the earlier segment about goal setting that goals aren't good unless you write them down or share them. It's much better to do that. Do you share them with just anybody and everybody? Do you share them with the general public? Do you do you share them with a team or do you keep some of your goals? Like, you know what? This is a goal just for me. Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely share them with my team and my husband. I, I share them with the people I spend the most time with. And of course, my, my peer group, right? Who's also doing their own version of goal setting as well. So yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes in the right context, I share them with the, you know, our audience and greater public. If, if I'm learning, I, I think for me, that's, I'm okay to not hit a goal or to fail or to learn from, from something that I didn't think was going to turn out the way I thought it was. I think when there's a story to tell that's worth sharing that could help somebody else, I'm absolutely open to it. And sometimes it does relate to goals I've set that. Uh, I haven't hit or that have turned out different than I expected. So do you have any New Year's resolutions or or goals from last year or this coming year that you're willing that you want to share? So one of the things that I uh, has actually, I guess, been on my heart since high school, believe it or not. So I can't believe I'm saying this because I don't have any firm plans to make this a reality. However, I've started having curiosity conversations. And that is that I've always wanted to write my own book. And, you know, it's not like in high school, I knew what the book would be about. I still don't exactly know what the book will be about. But when I'm a big believer, when things come in my line of vision, especially in sets of three or more that I think God's knocking and I should pay attention. And so that actually happened oh gosh, like four or five times in a matter of 48 hours uh, recently. And so I have started having conversations with other authors and publishers and, you know, really just taking my time with it. I can sometimes be bullish and hard on myself when I set goals. And so this exploration, I'm taking it as just that. It doesn't mean next year I'm going to write a goal, write a book and publish it. But I think for me right now, Jonathan, that's one thing that I'm just, um, I'm exploring. And so I think it's also yeah. okay to have a goal or resolution that doesn't, doesn't necessarily have a period at the end of right. the idea or, or, or the goal. I feel the same way. I've always wanted to write a book, probably, like you said, maybe since high school, since college. 
Um, I've had you say, I, I don't know what it's going to be. I've probably had dozens of different ideas. And you're, maybe you're the same way. So I don't know which one to nail down most. Uh, but I guess at the end of the day, just because you're writing a book doesn't mean you only have to write one. Lindsay Steeman's probably got dozens of books inside <laughs> of you in your head. Uh, I mean, I read a lot of your LinkedIn posts, so I know that you've got good writing in you and you've got good uh, goal. You've got this. Oh, you've got so much value and uh, and the world needs yeah. to hear it. I really uh, so I'm I'm a cheerleader for you, Lindsay, when you decide on where to go or whatever, then feel free to share it with me. And I'm uh, I'm here. I'm, I got your back. Thanks, Jonathan. That means a lot. So let's wrap this up here. I'm going to throw out a couple of promos for you and then you fill in if we need anything else. Sure. Follow Lindsay McMillian Steeman. McMillian Consulting, first of all, on LinkedIn is McMillian Consulting, right? Mm-hmm. That's then, correct. And then you can also look up Lindsay. It's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. How many people do you have misspell that? Because there's like a hundred ways to spell Lindsay, right? Oh yeah, all the time. Same with my my married name, Steeman. It's it's an easy one to uh to to misspell. Even McMillian, right? All our names get. I'm sure Jonathan Peoples, it, you know, everyone messes that up. So thank you. People want to throw yeah, people always throw in a side. Yeah. And uh McMillian, I love that that for a long time was my favorite last name. Uh not not any <laughs> not anything against your husband, but McMillian. I'm glad I'm glad you still have that in McMillian Consulting because it's Thank I mean you. McMillian. How, w- was that not awesome growing up with that last name? Yeah, it had its perks. It had its perks. You know, when you're a little kid, people are like, Do you have a million dollars? I'm like, no, but that would be so cool. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So I did I did keep my maiden name. I dropped my middle name when I got married and, and kept my maiden name as my middle name because yeah. and also there was nobody in my family to carry on the name. So my my dad felt very loved when I decided to keep that as part of my name after getting married. And on Instagram, uh at LinkedIn Lindsay. Spelled the same way, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. They can check you out at mcmillionconsulting.com. So my website, there's a contact page. And um, one of the things I do a lot throughout the year is travel on site to do um, professional keynote speaking engagements at conferences and company annual meetings and top producer incentive incentive trips, uh, helping sales teams get better and level up. And so uh, there is a speaker form to So if you've got an upcoming event, fill that out so I can learn a little bit more about it. And uh, we can figure out if it makes sense to connect for a call. And then also, Jonathan, there's a lot of free stuff on my website too. So uh, I've got a lot of free guides and uh, things where people say, can I pick your brain? And I'm like, I probably have a guide for that. <laughs> so there is, uh, check out there that is. website. There's a, there's a lot of free stuff on there. And you guys are, are, are you guys hiring? Or are you guys looking for anyone right now too? Yeah. So our team is always, always looking for writers. Um, we have a great bench right now, but anytime someone is, you know, usually freelance writers are a great fit. Um, otherwise our, our team is in a really good spot right now. And so I think this probably has something to do with a little bit of that contentment I shared earlier is we've just got amazing people on our team who uh, just believe in what we're doing and collaborate really well together, respect each other, and also desire to be better themselves. So I'm I'm just really fortunate. But yeah, writers are the the professional that we're always open to having conversations with. Oh, wow. Well, I've got a referral for you right now. Episode number 16 of Success in South Carolina was with a, a girl named Juliet PA, and she is an amazing writer. Awesome. So yeah, thank you for that. I'll, I'll have her reach out to you as well. What is the best way for a listener to reach it? Is it is it McMillionConsulting.com? Is it LinkedIn or just all of the above? 
Yeah. So I, I would love to, a couple things, right? McMillian Consulting, great place to just get to know me a little bit better and tap into some of those free resources. If you've got an event coming up, fill out that speaker form. LinkedIn, always Lindsay McMillian Steeman, follow my company page. And then I am, as you mentioned earlier on Instagram. So if you want to see some more personal pictures of Tater Todd and the adventures I'm going on, then uh, definitely give me a follow on Instagram and we'll stay connected there too. All right. Final question. Where did the name Tater Todd come from? So I wanted to name our puppy when he was a puppy nine and a half years ago, Tiger. And I'm a Clemson Tiger. And so is my husband. And at the time, oh, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, at the time, the uh, that professional golfer that some of us might know was going through some uh, some drama. So my husband said, no way, we're not naming our dog Tiger. So my mom and I were actually out getting our nails done. And I don't know, I was just drawn to the the letter T. And I'm looking through dog names on the internet and this this name Tater just popped up and I just started laughing. My mom goes, what are you laughing at? I said, Tater. She goes, oh my gosh, we just started giggling. And I went home and my husband said, Tater, like Tater Todd. I was like, wait a second. Did you say Todd, like T-O-D-D? And he goes, no, but I love that. So he's Tater Todd, T-O-D-D, because you can't say it without without putting a yeah. smile on your face. So he, he brings us a lot of joy and... Uh, he's he's our little fur dude who we love a whole bunch. Well, you've brought me a lot of joy today too, Lindsay. Uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. A really, really fun time. Thanks, Jonathan. All right, listeners, let's get out there and make our world, our country, and our community a better place. When you succeed, we all succeed. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing. So speed up or move over. <laughs>